Thank you for listening to the following film's podcast. Today I'm joined by legendary character actor Kevin Corrigan to discuss his latest film, Scenes from an Empty Church. You might know Kevin from his work in Goodfellas, True Romance, The Departed, Pineapple Express, or perhaps the woefully underrated results. Scenes from an Empty Church takes place in New York City at the height of the pandemic and focuses on two priests who open their church doors to those seeking salvation during the most isolating of times. From the commonplace to the truly metaphysical, their visitors reflect the full spectrum of personal crises of spirituality. Throughout their encounters with the city's sweetest, wildest, weirdest, the two priests learn the importance of connection, empathy, and open-mindedness. While the film takes place in the pandemic, it's not about it. It's about asking questions and listening, the importance of fellowship in difficult times. The characters in this film wrestle with universal questions that we've been asking ourselves since our earliest days. And in that way, I feel like Scenes from an Empty Church will be the kind of film the audiences will discover for years to come. The film will be in theaters and on VOD Friday, July 2nd. Big thanks to Bookman's for sponsoring the show, and thanks to Fort Worth for letting me use the song at the end. If you'd like to support the podcast, become a subscriber today, and you'll get access to all of our new episodes day before non, days before non-subscribers, archived episodes over six months old, and exclusive content. Just go to anchor.fm slash followingfilms slash subscribe. I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. Because it's really, there's the ideas that you're wrestling with here are connectivity of being together, of not being right or wrong, but just really listening to each other. And I think that that's something that's a universal truth. This is something that this film will carry on and be salient years beyond right now because it is so specific to this time. Well, I'm glad you think so. I I, I think so. I agree with that. Um, I was just talking to a, a, a a friend of mine who watched the movie and, you know, said that, that uh, they liked everything. Well, they liked, well, they, they said the thing that they didn't like was what was, was the subject matter. Wasn't their cup of tea. And I'm like, well, subject matter. You mean what it's about, what it's about a lot of things, but he, this person meant the uh, the pandemic and New York City. I was like, that's pretty much the reason the movie exists. So you're saying that's not your cup of tea. Um, and uh, the, 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 the movie wouldn't exist if it weren't for that. You have a problem with the, with the inspiration of the movie. And I, you know, what can I do about that? I didn't, I, you know, um, I didn't start the pandemic and it's kind of a strange, but however, I, I, you know, I, I would think that, you know, I think that, um, the, the, the idea that, you know, to, that, to object to the basic idea of the movie, I guess people don't want to be reminded of it. And, especially when the the pandemic was it was still in in peak form you know Fe- certain festivals uh weren't interested big ones you know and it was um i i kind of uh, you know we we fortunately 
the cast, it's a strong cast. And I mean that in the sense that Tom, Thomas J. Ryan and Max uh, Casella and myself are, are, we have a strong bond just as, as colleagues, you know, uh, even before this film, we were looking for something to do together years ago. And we've all separately worked with owner, the director. It doesn't matter. You know, uh, the sort of festival rejections were our, our, you know, the strength of our camaraderie, if you will, uh, or, and, and, and just the movie itself and the, the idea behind the movie is strong enough to withstand the, the, the criticism of the movie. Now, I, I say, I use the word criticism. You know, you've said wonderful things about the film, and we're doing this press tour now. To, you know, hopefully the movie will have, a, a, you know, a lifespan longer than a gnat, you know, with our, you know, lack of advertising funds. You know, we're not being given the, 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 uh, top, top, uh, you know, it's not, it's not a big studio movie or something. Right. Uh, now that I've gotten all that, uh, uh, that, uh, all that being said, I'm thankful for, you know, just that we're having this conversation and that, that it's getting the attention it's getting. It's, and I, I think people will discover it as time goes by and um it's it's kind of you know it seemed funny to me like maybe the movie will maybe it'll be better if if it comes out like you know um what if there's no pandemic by the time the movie's finished and by the time it comes out these were some of the thoughts that i had and i sure. and that, that could be that could work you know during a pandemic you try to get a movie about the pandemic into a festival the festival say no no we don't want to be reminded of that audiences don't want to hear about that you know, we hear enough about that on the news every day. It's too upsetting because yeah. there's all kinds of conflicting information. We're right in the middle of this thing. How dare you make a movie about the pandemic? We don't want to know about that. You know, we hear about it every day. We need some escapism. You know, we need some like to be in the Star Wars universe or the Marvel universe. You know, this is this, you guys, you know, take your pandemic movies somewhere else or. Well, okay. And then after after the pandemic, post pandemic, which I don't think we're we're not quite post, yeah, but we're still there. And and it's just as confusing as ever, sure. uh, sorting out um, the vibe of the world because you know it's affecting different parts of the world differently. It's very, mm-hmm. it's 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 a catastrophic right now in Bangladesh and India. Uh, and, you know, here we are, Broadway, you know, Bruce Springsteen has reopened Broadway and uh, all these concerts are lined up for, you know, people are going to, yeah. musicians are going to start playing live in the fall when, you know, we I thought we weren't going to see live music again until 2022. Yeah. What's going on? So, you know, now our movie may play to a whole new audience that sees the pandemic as nostalgia. You know, a look back. Remember when we were here? Look at how, you know, and uh, because the movie opens with um, Father uh, Andrew, my character, saying, 
New York is on life support. Um, so, yeah, is it supposed to be funny now? Because we're, it no longer is? Because the city's opened up, supposedly? Well, yeah, I'll argue that, 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 so this is about the pandemic in the sense that it takes place during the pandemic, but that's not what the film's about to me. And the way that the character says that New York is on life support, I think Max has a comment later in the film when he talks about New York has been on life support for decades now, since, you know, the, since the, your artists can't afford to live in New York anymore, a struggling artist. You don't have these groups, these collectives of people in the same way you did that made, that gave New York its identity such a long time ago. It's been gentrified so many times over at this point that I think it takes place here, but this movie is about much more than the pandemic to me. I think you you made a great point there. It's the, you know, the issue of the, the soul of the city has been contemplated and, and, and ranted about for about, you know, uh, well, there's never been a time when that we haven't been talking about that. And, uh, you know, there's a Jeremiah's vanishing New York website, which started in about 2006 or 2007. I became a big fan of that, of that, of, uh, of, uh, of that blog as soon as I discovered it. Um, and, um, and uh, yeah, we talk, you know, and then he uh, he, he published a book, uh, 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 Jeremiah's Vanishing New York. You know, the talk, you know, at issue was the the soul of the city, and I'm from New York City. Yeah. Well, I'm from the Bronx, and that's part of New York City. And um, and I, you know, I I, I had a a Catholic upbringing. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I started going to acting school when I was a teenager. My mother was an artist. Um, my parents passed away within three years of each other fairly recently, 2016 and 2019. And then in, in 2020, you know, uh, 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 the pandemic and owner script, Owner came up with this script. Uh, like he he wrote it not that long after the pandemic started, so it was um, the speed with which he, um, you know, kind of matriculated. You know, uh, uh, the the way the the events of the day kind of matriculated in him and the way he, how, how rapidly he uh, responded to it, rapid responding, re- first responders, you know, all this term, all these terms are mixed up in, in our, in our minds. Rightly, you know, they, they do kind of, um, I thought of, you know, I think of owner as a, as a, you know, or you know, art. You know, people in the arts are are kind of, um, well, you know, this this script kind of landed in my lap, and um, it felt very relevant while we were making it. And then when we watched the the rough cut of it, it seemed like we sh- this should be on television right now. You know, 
And um, and it's it still feel, felt that way the last time I watched it, which was not too long ago. And I you know I almost feel like it should be a mini uh, like a like a, a limited series. Yeah, six I, I agree. I, I wanted more there because it's the idea of these scenes that you're just dropping in for these little moments and you could have it. I mean, it plays almost like vignettes, even though there is a through line to it. Vignettes, but you could, yeah. you, you could see each one of these be being expounded out, expounded out upon. I mean, the moment with you and Paul Reiser in this, you know, I wouldn't, I would never, it reminded me of good black box theater where you have two people. I can imagine him playing your dad but it just you just get over that shit real quick when there's two actors that are stepping up to the moment and you just watch performance. And that's what this is about. And I wanted that moment to go on so much longer when he has that thing where he's saying, no, 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 stop, hang on. And I was so happy that it extended for it. And you get to hang out in that moment for a little bit. Yeah, that's how it felt to, to, to act in this movie. It felt just like that. And I... I, I, you know, I went to the Lee Strasberg Theater Institute in the '80s, and you know, it's still there. Yeah. My daughter, my daughter goes there now. She's in the same young people's program that I was in when I was a teenager, and uh, of course, her 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 time there has been interrupted by the pandemic. They they stopped having in person classes. Uh, to to uh, about March in 2020, but. I did get to see her perform right before the lockdown in an actual classroom that I studied in when I was 16. And, you know, there, there were like, you know, a dozen kids in the class. So that's there are six scenes in this afternoon of, of, you know, open classroom uh, stuff. Come and see how your kids are coming along in their acting studies and and it was uh, in this black box theater classroom, and uh, the window was open just like I remembered it being. There was sounds <laughs> from Union Square coming in, ambulance, cop car sounds, and uh, 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 construction jackhammer sounds, and and there was a smell of like you know eggs and toast, baking grease from the diner downstairs coming in the window. And these kids are trying to act, you know, trying to do sense memory work, you know, yeah. trying, to, trying to do. Uh, and I, I was just and, and I was having a sense memory flashback <laughs> sitting there, you know, um, and feeling like, you know, we have to perform under these circumstances. And have to like tough it out and learn how to perform under any circumstances and and you know with the owner's script there were no movies being made everything was it was like there was you know march april of 2020 it was felt like we were thrown back into the middle ages i yeah i i, I look like i'm in the middle ages right now because <laughs> i don't have any lights on except the light of the screen which is fine with me. No, this isn't like a video. Uh, no, no, no. This is, we, right? we only use the audio. So audio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, and um, it, 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 it was like back to basics. Um, and um, going to the church where we filmed the movie was. It was a wonderful place to, to have to ourselves. 
big open, you know, it was very, it wasn't, you know, it was easy to social distance and in the, in the church. I'd never, I kind of knew it was there. It was on West 34th street, way West in what's now Hudson yards, Hmm. but it's a 110 year old church or something, you know, it's a cathedral. And, um, and we were going there to act, you know, you know, I was going there to act with Tom Ryan. Oh, I, I worked with on Henry Fool back yeah. in, you know, uh, 1997, we shot that. And Hal Hartley directing that. And, you know, uh, the, the whole, I, 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 like it was, um, you know, your point about like the, the black box theater uh, kind of aspect of the of the movie is not lost on me because... I've been chasing that 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 classroom feeling since you know eighty six eighty seven when I was going to Strasbourg, and um, um, you know there is an autobiographical uh, aspect to the movie as well, just in the sense that. Uh, the, the, the things that are important to the priest, you know, uh, uh, are important to me, you know. And, uh, you know, owner actually attended my mother's uh, wake. Oh, wow. You know, uh, but I don't know if that had anything to do with him writing this script. But um, it, it uh, I felt kind of uniquely prepared to to work on this movie because I was still you know uh cogitating and 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 you know uh absorbing the the the, the loss of of my mother we all lost our mothers you know max did and tom did and and, and owner did recently hmm. so it's funny like you know it, it makes me think of like uh, mccartney and lennon uh, being a Beatles fan, yeah. and, uh, uh, that they were, um, they had both lost their mothers by the time they started writing songs together, and and um, it, it it it's kind of a, a, a not spoken a lot, you know what how that affected their how that cemented their bond, and uh, they were able to have such a, a creative closeness and um and I, I felt like max and i had like that kind of closeness and um i i have i and you know we understand the way you know i understand how he he works and vice versa and and we were just kind of it was very you know talk about listening it was uh I, I thought that this movie would be a very exciting movie to make because of the opportunity it would give me to listen to, you know, the other uh, characters. And, you know, just like a, a, a clergyman listens in the confessional. And we have mm-hmm. the scenes where that take place, you know, where people are, 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 are uh, the sacrament of confession is being observed. And um, uh, um, I, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a 
pleasure for me to to revisit the film through this interview and and through this uh, stuff. I, I I hope that you know other people will discover it. They will, because this is the kind of film that I think people will share about each other because it inspires conversation. This is the kind of film that made me fall in love with film. The thing that you would talk about in the parking lot for an hour and a half after you watched it, where you would just actually just want to engage with the film itself on some level. And, you know, you you bring up the Beatles in this way. And there was this idea that I thought of in my mind um, when I was watching this the comparisons that were always made between the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, um, sort of the lightness and the dark and back and forth between these two, these two entities. And I kind of feel like that that lays over very well with this film because there's these two things that exist in all of us where there's our cynicism and our hopefulness and the back and forth. And we contain all of those that we're not all one thing. And I think that there's a tug of war constantly happening in this movie. And it's not always uh, personified by the people that you would expect. Um, in fact, the me, as my own personal beliefs, the people that represent them, they're kind of assholes in this movie for the most part. And so the people that I relate to are people that would hold very different beliefs than me. And I think that it's really important to put yourself in that mindset for a little while to let go of preconceived notions in that way. Today's episode of the Following Films podcast is sponsored by Bookmans. After speaking with Kevin, I was thinking about films that take place in a very specific moment of time, but manage to transcend that and remain relevant years after their release. So there's many films, a ton of them, that fall into this category. Everything from Dr. Strangelove to Office Space, Network, they're very much a product of their times, but they are films that still hold up. Um, I had this idea floating around in the back of my mind, uh, films that act as a time capsule, but they still don't feel dated. So Shampoo is a 1975 film directed by Hal Ashby that stars Warren Beatty, Julie Christie, Goldie Hawn, Lee Grant, Jack Warden, Tony Bill, and Carrie Fisher in her first role. So when I saw this at Bookman's, this fit right into that category. Uh, The film was co-written by Beatty and Robert Town, the guy who wrote Chinatown. And um, the film follows George, played by Warren Beatty. He's a hairdresser on Election Day in 1968 as he juggles relationships with several women. Uh, The theme of the film is not presidential politics, but sexual politics. The movie is really well regarded for being a satire of late 60s sexual and and social mores. It's a blatant refusal to address the election, though, that carries so much weight for me personally. Why set a film in the middle of an election and not, indre- and not address it unless that's really the whole point? So George's occupation and charisma have provided him the perfect platform from which to meet and have sex with beautiful women. Despite this, 34-year-old George is dissatisfied with his per- professional life. He's the creative star of the salon in which he works, but he has to play second fiddle to Norman. Uh, he's a nickel and diming, and this is in quotes, mediocre hairdresser who owns the business. The country is on the verge of electing Nixon, and the cast of Shampoo is only concerned with self-gratification, be it sexual, financial, or status moving up the ladder. The country is asleep at the wheel, essentially, and ushering in the era of Watergate. This was the film I thought of around 2016 and 2020. Whatever your politics happen to be, I think we can all agree that apathy is dangerous. 
And when it comes to selecting our political representatives, we need to be engaged. So if you haven't seen Shampoo, I highly recommend you do yourself a favor and check this out. Um, And if you're not familiar with Hal Ashby's work, uh, my God, there's so much wonderful... um, there's so many films that you can dig into here. Um, there's Harold and Maude, The Landlord, Bound for Glory, Being There, and Eight Million Ways to Die all come to mind. These are all great films in addition to Shampoo that I'm recommending here. So I love going to Bookman's and finding something like this. Because as always, Bookman's has your cool covered. Enjoy the rest of the show. There's a, a George Harrison interview. Some We were doing something yesterday and this whole idea of like, do you believe, so what do you think about the afterlife? And Which is, you know, that I kind of, uh, um, you know, my, my beetle, my beetle politics kind of uh, always get the best of me. I like, you know, um, there's an interview with George Harrison. They ask him about John Lennon, and he's saying, like, yeah, you know, I saw him a, couple, a year or two before he died, and um, he was good. He was in good you know, He was doing okay, and he didn't say much more, or he was reluctant to speak, and they um, uh, um he he kind of was like I I, I he, it's kind of, I, I was in England that happened in New York for all I know he could still be there you know like I I have a friend who uh, passed away a few years ago and I never I didn't see him for like a year at a time anyway like yeah. once a year so when when you're in when a relationship is like that and then they they are go- suddenly gone. It's like I, 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 there's nothing to for you to to confirm this, and uh, it's like, oh, when's the service or whatever? I'm not going to be able to make that. Well, I'll send flowers or something, uh, and um, and then, you know, uh, the next time you're in LA, they're not there. It's like, oh, yeah. they're, they're gone. They, it feels like they they got to be here somewhere, you know. You, you I, never I, get to close that chapter in your life. Yeah, you, you, there's no closure, and in a way, it's it's kind of this some sort of merciful. You are spared in a way the um, the the, uh, the the reality of it is you know it kind of you can feel like they're still out there somewhere, and um, and and that's what the church, I think. I mean, that's what religion wants us to, is trying to help us understand that, 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 uh, that people, loved ones go on. They're still out there. There's still some, uh, you know, however you want to believe in it, you know. Um, you know, I can feel some so-and-so's presence right now. They're rare in the room with me. You know, where two or three are gathered, there am I in their midst or whatever. Uh, um, my, you know, mother, my f- parents were, uh, my mother was a, a, a avid uh, a observer of hawks on her, red-tailed hawks in the Bronx on her uh, fire escape. And she lived on the sixth floor in the 
building and the and those hawks would nest on the on the um, fire escape and and um she was uh um uh loved animals and she she you know uh documented you know took hour you know hundreds of hours of video and pictures and everything which i have now and um and um you know uh, every time i see a hawk now it's like there she is all right uh george harrison says you know i'll i'll see john again uh uh you know uh you know i can't talk to him now on the phone, I have to use the cosmic phone. <laughs> I got to use the, the cosmic telephone, which is just communicating through your senses and through, you know, sort of weird coincidence yeah. that may occur sometimes. And all the meaning that you want to apply to that coincidence, like you're going to find this is really weird, man. But I really, I had this dream. I saw my father. It was like one of those lucid, real dreams. I feel like if I don't say that I saw my father this morning, it's going to be weird for me not to. Why would I not tell you? Yeah. Uh, and um, because it, it was like that Morrissey, uh, the Smith song, In My Heart, it was so real. Oh, yeah. Love is, love is natural and real. Uh, and and I think that, you know, love is that, you know, it's, it's the, you know, we were talking about... <sighs> You know, he goes, I don't believe in all that stuff. I believe in the brain. You know, and I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, there's also, uh, you know, I don't know. There's electricity. There's electricity. You know, there are outlets. You can't access it without an outlet, but that doesn't mean it's not there. If there's no outlet there and there's no building there, it's in, it's just, there's electricity. You go out on a day like today, it's like so hot. Right, you know, like it feels like it's going to rain. You hope it's going to rain, and you smell the electricity when, yeah. when when there's you know really dark clouds, and it's like that's us. That's what we're made of. You know, you smell that that electricity, that damp air. That's us. To me, that's what I believe. That's uh, uh, it's it's a different molecular form. You know, we're all. Uh, um, and who knows how um, um, I think that kind of that's that's to me that that vapor is like soul and yeah. and you can have a flashback to a summer from thirty years ago if the wind is is coming up the the, the right you know just the right way you get like a whiff of like cut. Oh, that, that's just that's sense memory just coming over like a torrent. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 so I, I think sense memory is intersects with the idea of soul and probably is what we talk about when we talk about soul. And, you know, and that's, you know, the actor training can intersect with, you know, spiritual contemplation so much it's all like you know uh, about memories and about stories and even a catholic mass is is essentially just the retelling of a story of a man and um the uh it's the story it's the plays the thing uh, i think uh there's something 
you know, the, the relationship between theater and, and uh, religion is well established. And I don't know when yeah. I, you know, looking at the, the altar, I was an altar boy. The altar and and the the the, uh, the proscenium arch or the, yep. the stage were the same thing at one time, right? It was like we were performing for the gods, you know. Uh, the rain dance, you know, <laughs> you got to put on a show to get some uh, reciprocal action from God, you know. Need some rain. <laughs> We need some love. We need this. We need that. You know, and and you, if you believe in it, if you smell that cut grass and you feel like that's that's like Walt Whitman says about you know this river, this East River, this mighty river I'm looking at. You know, someone was sitting here a hundred years ago looking at it the same way I'm looking at now, you reading this now a hundred years later, or, or, you know, you're, you're having the same thing, you know, it's like, how does he know yeah. that? How did he, how did he know that? You know, I thought I was like over on Roosevelt Island. Uh, um, just, you know, I, I, the, the, the whole aspect of the film that has to do with New York city is obviously mm-hmm. for, personal to me and, and uh, um, um, my father used to tell me that the city didn't feel the same when I wasn't in town, if I was out of town working or something. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I, and it's certainly, I, I, you know, I, I feel that way about him not being here. However, he is here very much. So, you know, uh, if I'm walking down a certain street, um, I feel like he's going to be right around the corner. There's something about the shadow on the Woolworth building or, you know, the, the view of the Empire State Building as you're coming up out of the 33rd Street station is, is just, it's like you're seeing ghosts or something and um, you're, you're, you're becoming, uh, you know, you're getting beamed like the characters on Star Trek. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that happens to us in spurts. It, it kind of happens to everybody. That, that's what deja vu is. You're, you're kind yeah. of uh, 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 involuntarily beaming, <laughs> getting beamed up or to something. Or, or, and, you know, then you come back a few seconds later and you're like, that's, that thing happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, Great. And, so this movie represents all of that uh, gibberish I've just uttered. No, no, it it's not gibberish. It ties in beautifully, actually, to the um, to the overall concept of this movie. To me, that this idea of physical transcendence, emotional transcendence, that the the right or wrong isn't what's important about this film. It feels like the conversation sitting down at dinner and having talking to these people and bonding and connecting. That's what matters. It's not about being right. You know, you're not going to, you know, for those of us that are lucky enough to still have, you know, parents that we disagree with about politics. So you're never going to convince them the other side, but it's important to listen to each other and to just, you know, be with each other and to have that, you know, connection. I think that's what this film is about to me. Uh, I think that's what it's about, too. Uh, um, I'm glad you feel that way. 
Time enough to figure you out Time enough to write this down Wish me luck, give me hope